0: Let's see what the stew has for us today.
1: Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's Tabletop Gaming Advice Podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the Cultured Craig, the Divine Daniel Markwig, and the Stunning Stew Skeel. Today we have myself, Ange, along with JT, Matt, and Senda, and today is our very special Valentine's Day episode where we are revisiting our gnomish romance novel, 26.5 Shades of Scarlet. We're in for a lovely and hilarious treat today, so we're going to skip our get-to-know-a-gnome question and dive right into the readings. Released on Valentine's Day four years ago in 2018, 26.5 26.5 Shades of Scarlet was our follow-through on a promise of steamy gnomish romance. Available on Drive-Thru RPG, it contains four stories from our esteemed authors here, as well as Troy Taylor, who unfortunately couldn't join us tonight. We are starting with Senda. <laughs> Senda, can you give us your story, your inspiration, and then let's get into the reading.
2: Well, yeah, of course I can. So this is, this is an excerpt from the longer story of course called the gnome hunters this is kind of based on the inspirations of like urban fantasy romance of which there is a lot (laughs) and i should know because the reason that i know this one is terrible is because i've read some decent ones right (laughs) so we'll just we'll just leave it at that um so the question is going to be of course and this is the entertaining part can I read this without laughing at it? So here we go. My money is on this no. Is This is for your game. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this for you all. I'm doing it for you so that you can use it as some sort of strange artifact in your online games or something. Okay. She opened the glass door to the shop, still distracted by her hunt for the keys. Finally, spotting them near the bottom, she stopped, noticing the sudden silence. The breeze touched the chestnut waves of her hair, but the city was strangely silent. She didn't even hear the click of the door behind her. She had just enough time to register how strange this was when a small figure in a pointed red hat came hurtling towards her, a knife clenched in his terrifying gnomish teeth. Layla screamed and dropped her bag. The gnome landed. "'Eyes crazed with hunger, "'clearly hunting for fresh stew meat "'as her back hit the door behind her. "'She realized there were more pointed hats "'among the parked cars, "'circling her like sharks. "'The gnome in front of her "'took the knife from his mouth and advanced. "'He knew there was nowhere for her to run. "'No,' she thought desperately. "'So much time and work to leave my gnome life behind, "'and now they'll eat me "'just like anyone else off the street.' She desperately searched her childhood memories for the words that might make them stop, might make them look elsewhere for their stew, even if it meant admitting to herself that she was still related to these terrifying creatures. The pendant of the necklace she wore tucked into her shirt was suddenly uncomfortably warm. Suddenly there was a movement to the right. In a swirl of indistinguishable blades, several gnomes fell with cries of pain. She gasped and hid her face. What other horror was walking the streets this evening? And if it could take out gnomes so easily, was she next? Many strange creatures walked the streets of the city, after all. She dropped to a crouch, cowering against the glass door to the coffee shop, face hidden in her hands as she heard the sounds of steel on steel and the battle cry of gnomes that had surrounded her. There were screams and terrible sounds, and then eventually, silence. Layla stayed where she was, not daring to look. She heard slow footsteps approach her. Are you all right, miss? Slowly she opened her eyes and looked up from her hands. The voice belonged to a tall man in dark wash jeans and a black shirt, unbuttoned at the top. He was bending over (laughs) her, (laughs) and she couldn't—see? I can't do it. She couldn't (laughs) help but notice how the white wife-beater under his shirt hugged his chiseled pecs, where the shirt hung a bit away from him. And there was some sort of silver icon hanging around his neck on a leather thong. Um, she said, breathlessly, taking in his well-honed features, hawk-like nose and little scar under his right eye. I... I think so? His dark eyes regarded her for a moment. Then he offered her his hand to help her stand. She took it, feeling the strength in his fingers the calloused on the pads. He lifted her gently to her feet and she found herself looking up at him as he stood quite a bit taller than she did with her gnomish ancestry. He looked back at her very seriously. There are more coming. I can't protect this position forever. For some reason, they seem to be after you in particular. Layla gulped. Had they finally traced the stolen ancestral stone to her? Then she noticed he was still holding her hand and felt her face flush at the touch. All she could manage was a quiet, oh, yes, um, come with me. I will take you somewhere safe. Yes, I mean, okay. (laughs) He pulled her toward a dark motorcycle. She was so absorbed in the sight of his tan hand gripping her small, pale one that she didn't notice the next gnome coming at them until she heard the sound of metal ringing against metal as he drew one of his two swords. There was a squishing sound as another gnome fell away before his blade, and the next thing she knew he had pulled her up behind him on the bike. He revved the engine once or twice as several more diminutive pointy-hatted figures began to close in. Then he hit the accelerator, slamming through them before they even had a second to respond. Layla squeaked in dismay and grabbed for a handhold as the seat lurched forward beneath her. "'It's okay. You're going to have to hold on to me. Go ahead.' Tentatively, she put her arms around his waist, feeling the sleek firmness of his musculature beneath her hands. The engine roared as he accelerated even more, pulling onto Main Street, forcing her to wrap her arms around his middle tightly, pressing her breasts against his solid back.' She saw a few quick flashes of small hands, red hats try to get in their way, heard a few cries and buried her face against him to block out the horror. The pendant was pressed between them and she could feel its continued heat. There you go. Nice. It's terrible.
0: Nice. (laughs) Well done, well done. I
1: will admit I have read my own share of... of Modern paranormal heaving, urban romance. And bosoms, it's bosoms. Vampire point. hunters.
0: <laughs> yes, all that. Oh, that was amazing.
3: <laughs> I was wondering, because I remember four years ago when we did a podcast about this, that you said your favorite part was hats like sharks. Like fins. Sharks.
2: They were circling like sharks. <laughs> I had to
1: have I was that If,
3: if <laughs> that was going to be your selection.
1: Of course it was. <laughs> That is a brilliant visual, though, because you can just
2: picture the parking
1: lot (laughs) with the
0: little pointy hats. (laughs) Oh, goodness.
2: (sighs) Good, someone else's turn to embarrass themselves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, we're going to switch over to Matt. Matt, can you tell us uh, the title of your story and uh, your inspiration and give us the (laughs) reading?
3: So, my story is entitled A Lady's Beard, and my inspiration is that it's a shaggy dog story. The entire thing is just a run-up for an awful, awful, and ribald pun at the end of it. <laughs> so, there you go. Now, you said you wanted us to read these ridiculously, right?
1: I mean, if, if you, you want to give us special voices, go for it.
3: Well, I just thought maybe I'd invite a friend of mine to come and read it for me. Oh. So, I think you've met him before on the Cast. He's our old gnome. And uh, I'll hand this over to him. What, what is this? What are you giving me here? <laughs> you know what this is? This is smut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in my day, we didn't read smut in public places one of the many ways the world has gotten better. (laughs) All right. All right. Go on. Take it. You're messing up your sleeve. I turned my head and there was Fadia. Her eyes were soft and the waning light and my tears blurred the edges of her face. I don't think the gnome had this accent before. (laughs)
2: you know what in my experience my accents wander too so i feel like you know
3: (laughs) all right blurred the edges of her face i didn't move to take the handkerchief so she began to gently daub away my tears i'm sorry she squeezed my shoulders gently this is my fault i got you in trouble with that priest do you want to talk about it How did you know I was out here? I managed to choke out, finally taking the cloth from her hand and blowing my nose vigorously. Mina, she chuckled. Everyone knows you're out here. You must have run through half the mountain. You were crying so hard, I could have tracked you out here by smell. I didn't have to, though. You almost ran me down. (laughs) Did I? I'm such a fool. Yes, you did, but you're not a fool. Tell me what's bothering you. It's not just the priest, is it? And like that, I was telling her everything. I told her how my father didn't listen, had never listened, and the look in my mother's eyes when he didn't, the look that said she wanted to say something but didn't dare. I told her I didn't like Willwood, that he wasn't a bad gnome, but that he was too much like my father, and how I didn't want to end up like my mother, unable to say anything. And Fadia sat next to me, her arm around my shoulder, somewhere during me pouring my heart out, She took one of my hands in hers and squeezed it gently. When I stopped to catch my breath and blow my nose again, she leaned her head against mine. I don't think you have to worry about ever being unable to speak your mind. You were pretty clear with that priest. But if you're not happy, what would make you happy? And I thought for a moment, leaning into her and slipping my hand back into hers. I had an uncle who traveled and brought back stories and treasures. I always wanted to be like him but my father was against it. You're your own woman, Mina. Why don't you tell your father, your mother, and your fiancé that you're going to do what you want with your life? "I I don't know. It's just not done. You're better than that. You'll do the right thing, I'm sure. And then we just sat quietly for a while. She was warm against my side, and I leaned in. Suddenly, I was aware of the contact between our bodies. Her leg touching mine my hand in hers and the heat of her i could feel the back of my neck getting hot i turned my head and looked into her eyes for the second time we were so close i could feel her breath on my face i closed my eyes and nearly fell over as she leapt to her feet (laughs) my eyes snapped open again she was standing Hand on the haft of the small axe at her belt. Did you hear that? She hissed softly, her other hand cupped around her ears. (laughs) Dropping into a crouch, she stalked into the fading light. I did my best to copy her posture and step where she had. Following over the crest of a small hill, I found her bent over some lumps in the coarse grass. As I got closer, I realized they were bodies. Two of them were gnomish patrolmen. "'One lay face down, black-fletched arrows in his back "'and sticking out of the dirt all around him. "'The other at least had taken an attacker with him. "'He lay on his back, deep gashes in his heavy leather chest piece. "'At his feet, a goblin was in a crumpled heap. "'It was covered in mud and clutched a knobby bow in one hand, "'a cruelly twisted knife in the other. "'Fadia lifted her hand, and I halted, "'straining my ears and looking about for more goblins.' My eyes fell on the face-down patrolman's signal horn lying in the grass near his belt. I picked it up and put it to my lips. We would have heard the signal from where we were sitting, had it been given. Fadia nodded grimly, and I blew as hard as I could. (laughs) Nice.
2: (laughs) When we... When we got to the the touching part in that particular voice, that just about murdered me. <laughs>
3: just to be clear, I like to I like to joke that it was bracketed by blowing mm-hmm. because she starts blowing her nose and ends blowing the horn. But you know that makes it sound a little too filthy, doesn't it? Just a little,
1: just a little. I love the uh, I love the the transition from. You know, gnomes are the savage monsters we're <laughs> fighting against, two Gnomes are the heroes of our story. Well,
2: you know, that's how short story anthologies work, right? They have sort oh, of yeah. a theme and then they're very, you know, broad, creative takes on said theme.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> well, and, you know, there's historical precedent for both. Yes, also that. <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: <laughs>
1: So let's move over to JT. JT, why don't you give us the title of your story and tell us a little bit about your inspiration and then we'll get into the reading.
0: All right. So the title of the story is An Unlikely Hero. The main character is Zillin and he is based 100% off of a gnome bard that one of my players was playing during the second edition AD&D days. So we're talking very early 90s. Not Matt Negley, but my friend Matt, if you're out there listening to this, this is for you, man. You thoroughly inspired this character and the story. So I'm actually not going to start at the start of the story. I'm starting maybe a two-thirds down into it. So Zillin is, has bluffed his way into being a caravan guard, even though he is thoroughly unqualified to be be so, as bards do. And he is attempting to catch the romantic eye of another gnome, the only other gnome in the caravan, and she is a merchant, a very uh, highbrow, wealthy merchant, and he is just a lowly, shirtless, bemuscled gnome <laughs> bard. Shirtless. Shirtless, <laughs> yes. <The muscle. laughs> Be muscled, yes. He, uh, from memory, Matt's character had maxed out his strength, uh, straight die roll. Wow. Just max gnome strength back then. So he refused to wear armor um, <laughs> it, so that he could show off his mighty pecs. <laughs> and that is straight from Matt. So yeah. So here we go. Raiders have attacked the caravan, and the real guards have more or less chased them off with the one exception – And that raider is trying to kidnap Nina, who is the love interest of our protagonist. Nina mouthed the words, help me. Zillin's hands balled into fists as he tried to find a way to help. The raider continued to slip away. A sound behind the raider caught his attention, and he glanced away from Zillin for the briefest of moments. Seeing his chance, Zillin spun towards the campfire, grabbed a half-burned log from the edge, and threw it at the raider's head as he spun back around. The raider dropped Mina and his dagger in an attempt to block the burning log from striking his face. Unfortunately, he moved too slowly, and the charred wood found a home directly on the tip of the raider's tiny human nose. (laughs) The man dropped to his knees and grasped his face with a howl of pain. Zillin ran to interpose himself between Mina and the raider. He skidded to a stop, flared his enormous gnomish nostrils, (laughs) and kicked the man five times in quick succession. He put everything he had into the blow. Each time his foot struck, he bit off a ward. How dare you harm her? The kicks had worked their way up the man's body, starting at the floating ribs. The last blow landed squarely on the man's square chin, and he stopped writhing with a snap of bone and teeth. Zillin turned to Mina. Nostrils still flared in excitement and anger at what had just transpired. He calmed his breathing a bit and leaned down to assist her to her feet. She accepted his assistance with grace and poise, but when fully stood up, she swayed a bit. Out of reflex, Zillin wrapped a firm arm around her waist to support her. He expected her to pull away, or slap him. When she did neither. he flashed a smile in her direction. Are you well? She placed a hand to her forehead. I'm just dizzy from being held up at such a great height. The only time I'm not far off the ground is when I'm driving my wagon. It's just all so, so taxing. She heaved a large sigh. Well, my lady, the threat is over and you are rescued. I believe you may be safer in the confines of your wagon than out here. There are still scoundrels running about. Mina returned his smile. There are heroes about as well, and believe I'm safe in your company. Wait, what? Hero? She poked him gently in the ribs. Silly gnome. Of course, I think you a hero after tonight. Before all this, she waved a hand to encompass the circled wagons. I thought you were a buffoon who flared his nostrils too much. <laughs> Zillin asked, and now? She tittered into the back of her hand. Now I know you're heroic and brave. He flared his nostrils at her. <laughs> but you still do that too much. He unflared and blushed. Sorry. This time she let loose with a full-throated laugh. When her mirth subsided, she said, I believe we should get you cleaned up. No personal guard of mine can go about in public covered in dirt and blood and sweat and who knows what else. Personal guard? A glint from the dying campfire glimmered in her eyes. And manservant. Manservant? Of course, you'll have all the tasks and responsibilities of guaranteeing my personal safety when in public and satisfying my every need in private. Needs? (laughs) He swallowed hard, and his cheeks burned even hotter. I'll arrange with Master Groban to assume your contract for the remainder of the trek. Zillin now felt that he was the one who needed to be held up. What? Mina's smile turned mischievous. For now, we must get you cleaned up. Your duties to me as manservant will start immediately after you've had a bath. He nodded. Yes, a, a bath. Then, Then duties. His brain finally caught up with everything that had just happened, and a smile replaced the dumbfounded expression he'd been wearing for the past few moments. Zillin reached out and took Nina's hand. Their fingers intertwined, and she led him to the interior of her wagon for a bath before he took on his new roles in keeping her safe and satisfied. (laughs) Once inside the wagon, the door closed behind them with a soft click. Wow. And that's it.
1: (laughs) What is it with romantic gnome bards? Because I've been watching the (laughs) Critical Role thing, and that's a whole thing there. And we had a a gnome bard in my Eberron campaign (laughs) that, you know, had a thing for daughters of tavern owners. I just just don't understand it. Where did that trope come from?
3: Well, obviously, gnomes were not allowed to be bards in second edition D&D. And now they're just getting all that energy out.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. I I did bend the rules. Uh, I was, uh, it was a Linkmar, an improv Linkmar. And when I say improv, I mean, I'm the one as Game Master improving. I would sit down at the table and say, hey, what are you guys doing tonight? And they would drive the plot and the story. And it was so much fun. I can't (laughs) wait to do something like that again. But, uh, Yeah, so I I bent the rules a little bit. I I, I required them to, oh, what what was it called back then? Dual class, and they had to be a thief slash something else. And that something else could be anything from the class list, including cleric, because thief clerics were not allowed back then. So I I didn't want to take clerics off the board, but yeah, it was just, you had to be a thief slash something, and I just opened it up and let that something be whatever you want, and and we ran with it from there, so.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, like part of me was just about to get into a rant about second edition D&D.
2: And I'm like, no, that's not what this episode of the Gnomecast is
3: about. That's its own podcast.
2: (laughs) It's pretty funny because the first character I ever played was originally a bard. And I don't remember encountering previously, like before more recently, these tropes that like bards just solve everything by romancing it. Like oh, an evil dragon! I'll just (laughs) convince it that it's in love with me, and I'm like, when did this start? (laughs) Right,
0: I'm I'm with you, Cinda. It's new. It's it's at least for me, it's new, right? Because bards would like puzzle their way through things, not necessarily romance every time.
1: Well, I haven't seen it a lot with female bards. Well. But almost every male bard has been a super I mean, we could get into a whole thing
2: about that, but I think that's a whole other topic too. (laughs) Yeah. But I think the stereotype of, like, the way that you play a bard being the, like, I walk in and instead of fighting I make it fall in love with me is, like, a whole (laughs) thing that I'm, like, I don't understand where this trope started from. Probably because (laughs) you're walking around as a bard, you've, like, dumped all of your good stats into charisma, but
3: Right.
0: Yeah. I don't
2: know. I always just yeah. used it for lying. Like, Same. I just, Same. I just lied my way yeah. out of things. I didn't seduce anybody.
1: <laughs> well, when you know, one of my very first characters was also a bard, and I actually, she wasn't a bard. She was a mage thief uh, who had a loot. Sure, sure. And okay. then second edition came out where I could play a bard, and so when we transitioned from first to second, he let me rebuild her as a bard. Cool. And I don't ever i mean well i was also like 18 and awkward so it wasn't actually like my character could flirt <laughs> you know so
0: my most flirty character ever was a paladin wow <laughs> because he had taken a vow of celibacy so he knew it was safe mm. he could flirt and flirt and flirt and as soon as the hook was in and the the, the and he he was actually he would flirt with any anybody, anybody everybody he didn't care but as soon as they started like flirting back or showing like reciprocating the the, the uh, emotions, you'd be like, "Well, gotta go."
3: <laughs> Seems like a great way to get yourself into a temptation art.
2: <laughs> Seems like a great way to piss off a lot of people in the tavern.
0: <laughs> uh huh. It really did. Yes, I stole a lot of girlfriends and then returned yeah.
2: them,
0: <laughs> like within like within minutes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Amazing.
1: Well, thank you all for uh joining us for this special Valentine's Day episode uh with your readings from 26.5 Shades of Scarlet. <laughs> there is a fourth story in there we didn't get an excerpt from. So, you can get it at Drive Through RPG. We'll have a link in the show notes, and it is definitely worth a download and it is pay what you want, and anything you pay will be going to charity. Yep. I think we've pretty much covered. Anybody
2: have any last words that you want to say about 26.5 Shades of Scarlet? Uh, print it out and use it as a prop in your game. Like, hide bits, of, <laughs> hide bits of terrible no man's stories around a room or something so they can figure something out about the character. I don't know. There are inventive <laughs> ways you could use this. I'm just saying. <laughs>
3: I'm just excited about a sequel. Oh. What are we doing that?
1: <laughs> that is in discussion. We will see.
0: Oh. The further adventures of Zillin. Sorry.
1: <laughs> this show is funded by the Gnome Street Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Street website to the Gnome Stew this episode is brought to you by halflings demanding equal romantic time as the gnomes. Behind them, the kobolds are lining up, and there are rumblings that the goblins might also be organizing. Help! We have some work ahead of us. If you're enjoying the gnome cast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows, here's one to check out.
3: Misdirected Mark. Phil, Bob, and Jerry go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you.
1: You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Gnomes, does anyone else have a site or a project you'd like to give a shout out to?
0: I have one, yes. Go for it. So, played a new game, or at least new game, well, it's not new to me. It's a new game, sorry, this past Saturday called Ebon. Fantasy. It is from Eben Griffin Games. I'm going to spell that for you because I spell it a little odd. Eben is E B O N. Griffin is G R Y P H O N. And they are at EbenGriffin.com. And their Essence book, which is like a light or or a minimalist rule set, has is now out for their fantasy genre role playing game. And um, I am listed as a playtester because I did. So, full disclosure there, I've seen it before and it's early iterations. Travis and Justin, who are the the, the evil masterminds behind Evan Griffin, have done a wonderful job building out a fantasy emulation role playing game as opposed to a fantasy simulation role playing game. I'd call it rules medium, not rules light. It's like a step above fate as far as complexity goes. Ugh. So Whereas like Pathfinder would be 20 steps above fate. <laughs> so, and we had a good time. We made some characters. We ran through some encounters, social and otherwise. We just had a really good time. I'm looking forward to getting it back to the table on a regular basis. Awesome.
1: Anyone else? Or are we getting out of here?
2: No, I have I feel like I am contractually obligated to mention my other show, Pandas Talking Games, <laughs> on which you can hear Phil and I wax poetic about Many things gaming, mostly in relation to running games, since what we mainly do 95% of the time is answer listener questions about what would make running a game or playing a game easier for you. That's what we like to do. It's good stuff. Give it a listen. Agreed. <laughs> well, I I appreciate your flattery. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, do you guys think we're romantic enough to avoid being tossed in the stew this week?
0: Oh no, my romance levels are so low, just ask my wife.
2: (laughs) Wait till I get my next article up. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day,
1: everyone.
0: Yes.
3: Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.
2: there is well, there is the Sorry. no that's fine go ahead there is the <laughs> would you like to dance Matt? <laughs> this is the audio equivalent of like when two people walk up and then you step in the same right? direction together and you can't like get around each other hallway. <laughs> i don't even remember what i was gonna say